I get questions all the time from my clients, from uh, from listeners, from friends, colleagues, people I, I knew from high school, from, from people who want to better serve their communities and make more money while doing it. And so on today's episode, I'm going to tackle a bunch of questions. So it's going to be like a, a Q&A format, right? Because I think the answers can help others. I think you're going to like this episode, so please stick around. There's an old saying goes something like this. You'll only find three kinds of people in the world. Those who see, those who will never see, and those who can see when shown. This is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast for anyone who's looking. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. My name is Chip Close and this is Restaurant Strategy, a marketing podcast dedicated entirely to the restaurant industry. So each week we discuss the tools, tactics, and strategies that will establish you as a leader in your market. I want to help you do more covers and drive more revenue. Each week we choose a topic, we pick that topic apart, we come up with some key insights, and then we always finish up with an assignment, right? I leave you with a short, actionable task, something you can do right away to start implementing some of the ideas we talk about here on the show, because as I always say, information is only as valuable as the action it inspires. Now, as I said at the opening, today's episode is a little different. We're gonna do like a Q&A format, now, because I get questions all the time, questions from listeners, from uh, from some of my clients, from, from people that I've known over the years, and uh, while I certainly don't know it all, I, I've been in the industry for about 20 years, and I and I have picked up a, a little bit of knowledge, a little bit of uh, wisdom along the way, and so um, much in the same way that I do here with this show, I want to be able to pass on what I know, uh, what I've learned the hard way, and see if I can't help you guys. So I'm always trying to help my clients, I'm always trying to help my listeners, uh, and that's kind of the point of today's episode to share uh, some of the best questions that I've gotten over the last, uh, I'll say like month or two, and um, and see if it can't help you guys. So, uh, so let's get to it. The first question, there's a listener out in California uh, who wrote in and said that she'd been listening all throughout the pandemic and is now convinced that she needs to diversify her revenue streams at the restaurant where she uh, that she owns. And she was asking about how to roll out retail products. She said, how do I get started? Well, I certainly don't know it all. Let me say that up front. So, uh, so keep asking around. That's what I told her. I'm going to say the same thing to all of you guys listening. Seek out others who have done what you are thinking of doing, who have done what you want to do, right? I found that people are usually only too happy to provide guidance. So with that being said, I do have some experience and I'll provide a little bit of my own guidance, right? So I'm going to share the things that I've learned. The first thing is to figure out what sort of products you will want to sell. Meaning, are we talking about merchandise, like like shirts and hats, mugs, keychains, um, things that you would make with your logo on it, with, with your tagline, things like that? Or are we talking food products, like a steak sauce, or spice blends, or olive oils, or handmade chocolates? Or do you wanna create your own cookbooks? Is that what you're thinking to do? Or is it something else entirely, something I'm not thinking of? Once you figure out what you want to sell, then then you got to figure out how these things are getting made, who's responsible for doing what, and then how exactly you're going to replenish inventory as you go along. Nothing worse. There is nothing worse than creating a product that people want 
and then not be able to keep up with the demand, right? So this may take a little time to figure out and that's okay. Give yourself this time early on to get creative. Don't just make stuff for the sake of making stuff. Create products that align with your brand, products that support your mission, and then continue to serve your audience, right? So break this part into three sections. First section, give yourself the time, like I said, to get creative. Let your mind wander and go to interesting places. So maybe your first thought is to make t-shirts, but then the more you think about it, instead of t-shirts, you think maybe I'll make chef's aprons with your logo on them. Or maybe instead of generic mugs with your logo, you'll make a French press coffee set that also has mugs, right? And it's beautifully branded, right? Maybe that fits in more with your um, with your brand. Instead of shot glasses, you'll have nice pint glasses made or, or a bartending set, right? whatever it is. Step one is to see what others are doing, figure out ways to be different. Literally figure out what you want to make. Step number two then is to work out the logistics. Who does what? How are you gonna get this stuff printed, made, bottled, shipped? And then step three, finally, you're gonna have to put a system in place for selling and fulfilling the orders, right? Where are you selling these products? How are they being fulfilled? Uh, Literally, who's shipping them? How are they getting shipped? How is all that happening behind the scenes? So of all the ways you can sell your products, the best two ways are in-store and on your website. So I think you need to come up with a separate plan for each of those. Now, why do in-store? Well, you have a captive audience every single night, people who are hopefully enjoying their experience with you and, and already they're gonna be paying you at the end of their experience, right? They're there dining with you. They are going to give you their credit card at the end to pay for whatever they consume. It's a key opportunity to, to really cash in on. Literally, it's an opportunity. Why not try to get something else onto the bill besides just the food? And then, of course, the other place, like I said a minute ago, is online, which I think is a really important thing to exploit. Now, think about it this way. The hardest part of what we do in restaurants, I think, is that the transaction is kind of split into two different parts, right? For me, for my money, the hardest part is the first, getting people to commit to reserve, to hit that reserve button, to make a reservation, to join you a few days later or a few weeks later or or a few months later, right? But then after they commit to that, right, that that point of sale is when they commit, they book that reservation, then the the actual, the rest of the transaction, the the actual experience, the actual transaction where, where money exchanges hands, at least at most restaurants, is at some unspecified time later, right? A week later, a month later, when they come in for the actual dining experience. That is when they come and consume the the, the experience, right? So when they, they eat the food, they enjoy your service, and then they pay at the end, right? But with e-commerce, we can secure the entire sale all in one place with one click, and this is really crucial to achieve. Again, our business, we, we have to kind of defer that, you know, that transaction, we've got to split it into two parts. So if you can come up with an arm of your of your um, restaurant, an arm of your business, a revenue stream, where it's literally one click they buy, one click they buy, one click they buy, um, I think it's in all of our best interest to, uh, to try to exploit that. Now the beauty part is that once you have something tangible to sell, you can then leverage the rest of your business, right? You can leverage your email list your social media followings. You can you can start running ads on Facebook or, or on Google ads, right, to sell those products. In time, hopefully, you're gonna be able to build something of an evergreen sales funnel that just makes money in the background. 
So then the short answer then to all of this, boiling all of this down, is to figure out what you're going to sell and then build a plan for how you're going to sell it. Do all of that and you're going to put yourself in a great position to succeed. And if you still have questions, keep listening because we're going to address the rest of this topic in just a few weeks on an episode all dedicated to retail and merchandising and all of that. But this is just to get you started thinking about it. Remember, figure out what you're going to sell, come up with a plan for where you're going to sell it, how you're going to sell it, how you're going to fulfill the orders, and then we can take care of the rest. will take care of itself later, I promise. So next question then, uh, this is again, another email I got. It says, I wanna get started with video, but it seems like a lot of work. Is it really that important when it comes to marketing my restaurant? And then if so, what's the easiest way to get started? So the quick answer is yes, it is that important. But while it can get complicated to produce video content, there are easy ways to get started. So this is a great question. It's why I thought about talking about it on this episode. Now, to start, why is video so important? Because we are visual creatures, human beings. We are stuck to this, to our phones all day long. We're in front of computer screens all day long. And video comes alive in a way the still image never will. So I recommend, at least in the beginning, if you just want to get started, use an iPhone for just simple like two to three minute segments, cooking demo or a wine tutorial or even just showing off the, the new lineup of fall dishes or especially appropriate now, show off the safety protocols that you've put in place, the, the things that, that people can expect when they come back to the restaurant, right? So it doesn't have to be that much. You literally need one person holding the phone and then uh, the chef or uh, the wine director or the general manager or one of your servers being the host, the on-camera talent to talk about whatever it is you wanna talk about. If you did that just once a week, twice a week, something like that, it requires no setup, uh, minimal preparation, it doesn't require any post-production, no editing, no none of that. You just do Facebook Live or shoot just a video on your iPhone and then upload it at a later point. A little bit goes a long way. It brings the dishes to life, the restaurant to life, the personalities to life. Next question, how do I know how to position myself in the market? What if I make the wrong decision? Here's the secret. Indecision is a choice. Inaction is a choice. So I'll remind you, episodes 60, 61, 62 were all about positioning. Uh, most recently, episode number 78 was all about positioning. It's a great question. I love that you guys are thinking in terms of this. Um, but yes, you really do have to take a stance. You have to figure out how you um, relate to the other um, the other restaurants in your market, your competitors, right? If you are a Mexican place, you need to look at all the other Mexican places in your area and figure out what makes you different. That's what positioning is. You just want to figure out what sets you apart and then and then turn up the volume on that aspect, right? If you've got really cool margaritas, you know, eight different flavors of margarita, well, then maybe that's a differentiation point to, to another place. You know, if you do all kinds of interesting uh, guacamoles, right? Not just the, you know, the traditional one, but maybe you do some with fruit or maybe you do one, you know, that's smoky or one that's super spicy, whatever it is, that's a point of uh, of differentiation maybe you're all about tacos your place is all about you know traditional mexican kind of street tacos great turn the volume up on that and own that position in the market in marketing they say go to the edges right be bold do something that nobody else is doing being in the middle being mediocre being being you know just just another anything isn't 
good enough. You have to take a stance and you've got to be all the way on the edges. That's how you get attention. That's how you build a fan base. Remember, for every person who hates what you're going to do, you're going to find another person who loves it. And those people that love it are really going to love it. And they're going to talk about it and they're going to take pictures and they're going to bring friends. They're going to recommend you. They're going to shout about it. You don't want people who are just having a good time. You need people, especially now, you need people that are having a phenomenal time, people who are going to rave about it. Remember, the only people out there who talk about an experience are the people who absolutely love it or who absolutely hated it. We all love to complain. We all love to, to share the story about what an awful experience uh, we had. But then on the other side, we always love to talk about the exceptional experience we had, how great the meal was, how much fun we had, right? So you don't want to be in the middle. You don't want a bunch of people having a, a, an okay time, having a pretty good time. It's better, at least in the beginning, instead of 100 people having a, an okay time, to have 50 people having a phenomenal time. Trust me, it's going to help with your marketing moving on because our patrons, especially in the restaurant industry, do most of our marketing for us. Now, as, a, as an addendum to this whole positioning conversation, I will remind you about what we talked about with the car companies, right? Remember, Volvo is not for everyone, but they don't need millions of customers. They do very well by selling just about 100,000 cars a year here in the US, that's it. There are 330 million people here in the United States and they sell about 90,000, 92,000 last year cars in the United States, and they are one of the most respected brands in the market. Uh, they are known for safety, so they're not for everyone, but the people who believe in them, who, who really are fans of the brand, really believe about it and rave about it. That's what you want for your restaurant, for any business really, but especially your restaurant. Figure out what you can do to separate yourself from all the other dining options out there. Remember, we don't need just another sushi place. We don't need another Irish pub. We don't need any more pizza places. Figure out what you can do to be exceptional, to be remarkable. Now, next question. Do you, people ask me this after uh, after my uh, after my rant last week, uh, I got uh, actually a couple of emails about this, uh, but one of the one of the readers, one of the listeners wrote, um, do you really see iPads replacing waiters in the near future? The answer is yes, I do. In the next two to three years, as minimum wage goes up and restaurants work harder and harder to protect their profit margins, I think restaurant owners will have to get creative about staffing and about their payroll. So a big piece of that is the management component. Again, I think restaurants are very top heavy. I think they're gonna have to limit that, cut it down, ask uh, less people to do more. Uh, but I think the other piece to that is waiters, right? So. The interesting thing though is that there's like a question behind the question, right? So the question that I think this listener is really asking though is, will it work? Will iPads work? And how will it work? What sort of restaurants can do this? So off the top of my head, I think chain restaurants certainly have the infrastructure to do this and, and the drive to cut expenses, right? Um, but but honestly, here here's what else I think, because I think uh, you don't have to be a big chain restaurant with big resources um, and big infrastructure to be able to put this into practice. I think you can start to do this on a, on a smaller scale. Um, the easy way would be to roll this kind of service out for lunch. Uh, a lot of places have a big menu for dinner and a, and a smaller menu for lunch. So build an iPad POS system 
um, that could be streamlined and just roll it out at lunch. So you're probably already going with a small staff anyway. So practice it there. Um, I don't think this is for fine dining restaurants and I don't think this is for super casual restaurants. I think this is for like casual mid-level restaurants, you know, like a Chili's, like an Applebee's, like an Outback, like an Olive Garden, right? So so if you are out there and listening and you run a, uh, you know, a small restaurant and you fit in that area, I would consider this as being something that might work. I think of, um, you know, little bistros, cafes, um, uh, like a burger restaurant, like a bar, I think this can work really, really well. In fact, I was dining with a friend of mine the other night. It's the first time I dined in a restaurant, uh, outside though. Uh, it's the first time I felt um, comfortable enough going out and dining at, at an actual restaurant since this, since this entire pandemic started. So six plus months and, and I finally did it. Um, and they had plexiglass in between all the tables and we were sitting outside and we had a, a lovely meal. It was a really beautiful night here in New York City. It was perfect to just sit out and do it. But over the course of the meal, we must have had four or five people on our table. One person greeted us, another person brought us bread, another person brought us water. Uh, then the waiter came back and took our order. Someone else brought the bottle of wine. Someone else brought the food. There were plenty of people doing that. And then still, when we needed something, we were outside. It, there weren't people around. There weren't servers around. There was nobody there. And I just thought, I would rather just pick up my phone and order in another bottle of wine and hit send and have that bottle of wine come out three minutes later. But instead, I had to wait three to five minutes just to find someone that I could flag down. And it wasn't our waiter, it was someone else. Um, I think it was like a, a busser or a runner. I had to flag them down, they had to go get the server. The server came back and asked us what we needed. And then I could order the bottle of wine. It was about five minutes that it took um, just to get somebody to be able to order the bottle of wine. There's no reason that I need a server to go bring me my bottle of wine. I should be able to just open up the, the iPad or open up my iPhone and click, order my bottle of wine, hit send, and it just arrives five minutes later. I know it feels weird to think about it in terms of like this, but I think it's the future. Again, like I said on last week's episode, we had waiters 200 years ago to be uh, conduits between uh, the guest, right, between the table and the kitchen, right? Because there was no other way for me to tell the chef what I wanted to eat. So we needed to put somebody in the middle there, a waiter, who asked me what I want and then goes to tell the kitchen what I want and then, you know, works it in reverse and brings me the thing that I ordered. But nowadays we have technology and technology can replace that piece of it, I think can offer uh, an even better experience than what we've known for the last 100 years, 200 years. So yes, I think it is coming. I think there are inexpensive uh, ways to roll it out and to try this. So again, like I said, lunch is the perfect way to do this or, or a quiet Monday night dinner or Tuesday night dinner. Use that as an opportunity to, to lower your staff and just try, practice, see if it will work. In fact, some restaurants on a Monday night don't have enough covers to uh, to require a full staff. So just have your manager and one other person. They're gonna be there anyway and see if you can make it work. Uh, why not give it a try? So yes, I think it's coming. I think somebody's gonna figure it out, I think, and I think people are gonna make money when they do figure it out. Now, next question. Uh, what do you think is the real danger facing restaurants in the next two years? Uh, this is a really interesting question because I talk about it a lot and I've been talking about it a lot uh, since the pandemic started. Um, the answer though, uh, isn't really something I've talked about in the last couple of months. And it's really just kind of an epiphany I've had over the last few weeks. Um, so as restaurants close and spaces become vacant, for me, the question is who takes over those spaces? 
Because I think we've all been assuming that uh, a restaurant will close and another restaurant will come in, uh, partially because the infrastructure is already there, right? It's already, you know, the venting is in there, the, um, uh, you know, all the, the permitting is done, the bars and the plumbing, all of that's ready to go. So yeah, maybe another restaurant moves in, but not necessarily, right? Like a good corner location I think could be gobbled up by a bank. There, there are banks on every corner here in New York City. I think probably most cities uh, across America, right? So what's to say that a, a great you know, corner bistro closes and a bank doesn't take over that, that location? And then I also think about key neighborhoods, at least again, here in New York City, um, there is still a thriving retail business because they've got all these little shops and boutiques and markets. So I think there's a good chance that uh, that a number of the restaurants that close um, are going to go away uh, moving forward and they're going to turn into banks and, and other retail. And I think that's a real danger. That That's something that can really uh, hurt our industry at large because um, then there are only so many jobs uh, for people to get. Now, the next question is kind of uh, the flip side of this. What do you see is the biggest opportunity in the next 12 to 24 months? I love this question. And to be honest, I haven't really shared my opinion. I haven't really talked about it uh, on the show. But to me, I think it's the digital space, education in particular. So digital courses are now mainstream and everyone knows how to use Zoom or Google Meet or, or how to do a webinar. Restaurants are a wealth of knowledge and experience, and I think there are ways to share that um, and to turn that into a profit, right? So people who are serious about food and wine don't turn on the Food Network to get their recipes. They look to their beautiful high-end cookbooks that sit on their shelf, um, or they find um, recipes on uh, their favorite blogs, serious chefs and, and serious bloggers who who put up really serious recipes. Um, but I think there's a new space uh, that can open up if someone chooses to capture it, right? So I think of it like a mashup between a cookbook, a blog, and the Food Network. Uh, and to be honest, I'm already developing an idea uh, at the moment in this market. Uh, I'm giving this away because I think there's room for a lot of people. I think there's I think there's definitely something new that's going to start. Uh, if you're curious about this and if you want to chat about it, you know how to find me. The easiest way is via email, chip at chipclose.com. That's C-H-I-P-K-L-O-S-E.com. Um, in fact, if you've got questions about any of the stuff I'm talking about today, I, I love hearing from listeners. I love starting a dialogue with listeners. Oftentimes it uh, turns into uh, inspiration for another episode uh, or it turns into kind of a, a bigger conversation, uh, a more interesting partnership. I love starting conversations that way. So please reach out about any of this, but especially this, this thing that I envision, something between a cookbook, a blog and, and a TV network. Um, I think there are opportunities to be exploited. I think that's the future in our space over the next 12 to 24 months. I think a group of chefs banding together. I think a restaurant group uh, putting this together. I think uh, one restaurant that's a leader in their industry putting this together. Um, I think there are, there are real opportunities. Now, next question, switching gears a little bit. Uh, will ghost kitchens help or hurt the delivery apps like Grubhub and Seamless and, uh, and all of those? Um, I think uh, help. Definitely, they're going to help. Uh, in fact, a year from now, Ghost Kitchens uh, may be the only businesses who are still on those platforms. But the second question that, that wasn't asked that I thought of as I was reading this question uh, is this. What will it take then to get rid of the delivery apps or to pull them in line so that the commissions uh, make more sense for small business owners? And I think collectively, the industry has to pull themselves off of those apps and offer... Um, 
delivery in-house. Uh, I think you'll find it's cheaper and often you're able to provide better service. Yes, it takes work for sure, but I think it's better in the long run. And once restaurants figure that out, I think all those apps, Seamless, Grubhub, DoorDash, all of them are gonna be done, but it's gonna take a collective uh, effort from the entire industry. Uh, next question, still talking about technology. Is talk really the future? Uh, a lot of people have uh, have pointed out that I'm um, I'm really big on talk. Uh, I am. Uh, bye, 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 bye. I think they are, uh, they are the real deal. For fine dining, yes, I think talk is the future. Um, so for those of you who don't know, uh, I assume regular listeners will know uh, what talk is. I talk about it quite a bit. Talk is a reservation uh, ticketing service. Uh, so it's a... Um, that's a reservation software that in, uh, that allows diners to buy tickets to dinner instead of reserving tables for dinner. Uh, a lot of fine dining restaurants uh, use it. A lot of high-end restaurants use it with, with high ticket prices. Um, it was a way of safeguarding against no-shows. They get paid up front. Uh, so you think of it this way. You buy tickets to go to a concert. Uh, same thing for these high-end restaurants. You are buying tickets to go to dinner. Um, I think it was really odd uh, in the beginning, uh, but I think it's genius, and I think places have definitely um, caught on. I think the guests are coming around, and a certain uh, level of restaurant, a certain kind of restaurant, people are um, uh, are open to it. I think people have come to expect it, and yes, I do believe that is the future. I think fine dining will, uh, will all move on to talk over the next two to three years. It's interesting to see what talk will do with that. If they will continue to grow and innovate um, to incorporate more CRM uh, capabilities to uh, to better connect restaurants with their patrons. I think there are real opportunities there. I have to believe, I have to assume uh, that they're working on those, that they're gonna roll those out and develop them. But I think that's the next Thing that's that's really um, that's really needed in the space. Uh, but yeah, I think especially for fine dining, talk is the future. And then finally, the last question that I got that I'll share with you guys. Uh, the um, the listener writes in: I want to open a restaurant after all this is over. What do you think is an opportunity worth exploring? Uh, it's a great question. I appreciate getting it. I actually already corresponded with this person uh, and told them I was going to be talking about this on the show. So I'm going to give you the same advice I gave them. I have two thoughts to share. First, and I talked about this a little bit on last week's show, um, but I would open a nice restaurant in the suburbs. And I mean like a really nice restaurant. Go to where the people are. If they're not commuting into the city, at least not every day, then I don't think they're going to make the trip in on a Wednesday night for dinner or on a Thursday night for dinner. So open something great. And, and I really mean this, like, like a Michelin star level restaurant in the suburbs. I think it will do really, really well moving forward. My other thought, though, is a getaway spot. If you were looking to open a restaurant and you didn't care where you went, what you did, I would open a getaway spot like a like a B&B upstate or or something attached to a farm or an orchard or near a state park make it a destination. So maybe you serve breakfast 7 days a week and lunch and dinner maybe just Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, and it doesn't have to be high-end. Whenever I mention this, people think, oh, I didn't want to do a big high-end thing. You don't have to. I'm just saying destination. There's a purpose for someone traveling there, for going there. It's a, it's a getaway. It's a weekend getaway. It's a vacation. Think of in terms of a destination. Um, 
Again, doesn't have to be high-end. Make it whatever you want. But I think local travel is the way to go, at least for a little while, as international travel continues to to uh, present challenges uh, with air travel and all that. I think people, uh, certainly this past summer, they just hopped in a car and they went for a two-hour drive or a four-hour drive. Um, I think the same is largely going to be true for all of 2021 and maybe even into 2022. I think people uh, have now started exploring the United States again, which is great. Um, I think uh, this kind of thing uh, will be welcome moving forward. So think in terms of a getaway, a destination. And that's it for this week. Uh, Your assignment is really easy. Uh, Go through these. Which question resonated with you? Pick one question, one answer, and just try to tackle that. See if you can apply that to what you're doing, either to your restaurant or to the restaurant you want to open or to the changes you want to make within your restaurant. Um, Just just apply one of these things. Um, Don't let this week go by without really thinking about how these questions and answers relate back to you and your business. As always, I want to thank you for tuning in. I appreciate you being here. If you have a few minutes, please log on to Apple Podcasts and uh, and log a review or a rating. The five-star ratings uh, really just help put us on the map. They help boost us in the rankings, uh, which help other people find us. And this is all about helping people, helping restaurant people uh, do more with less, uh, get better at what they're doing, do more covers, make more money. So so help me um, attract more people build this community because in the end this community uh, as it grows will only uh, help all of us I get really good questions in really good advice really good insights and I can then share that with uh, with the entire listener base so take a few minutes go to Apple Podcasts leave a review and or a rating I really appreciate it Uh, have a good week stay safe stay creative and I will see you next time